Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America College podcast. Along with Jim Schoenert, I'm John Manuel. Mike Lanana is out today. Uh, Mike's on the disabled list. Under the weather. It did not, it did not stop him from taking in some hot AAC action this Can't weekend. Can't keep him out of G-Vegas. I mean, come on. You could not. Apparently not. And uh, no profanity in G, on these G-Vegas uh, uniforms. Uh, but we digress. I still can't get over the fact that how some of these schools embrace the Vegas thing, Jim. I just, I get it, but I guess actually I don't get it. So uh, we'll talk Vegas. We'll talk top 25s. Uh, we will talk 64-team field. Uh, talk a lot of college baseball today on the Baseball America podcast. As usual, brought to you by Slugger, Louisville Slugger, at Slugger Nation on Instagram. Great way to follow uh, a lot of college baseball happenings on their Instagram. I've got that plugged into my phone. And, of course, you can follow them on Twitter as well, at Slugger Nation. He's at Jim Schoner BA. I'm at John Manuel BA. If you followed us at all this weekend, you know we were both at some ACC action this weekend. But the story in college baseball this weekend, Jim, was the Thursday through Saturday series, Texas A&M and LSU, number one Tigers, number two Aggies. And it lived up to the billing, Jim. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of compelling baseball on TV this weekend uh, from Baton Rouge. Uh, they had some weather mixed in. They had some intensity mixed in. But when the when the dust settled, they, the scoring was even uh, uh, over the course of the three games. But the uh, the Tigers did what they had to do, Jim, especially a late game, to win two games and to win the series. I guess it really wasn't a surprise, but was there any aspect of the series that surprised you uh, about how LSU won it, or did it kind of play the form for you? I will say the, the surprise was that they um, just kind of the way the two, in the two games they won that they were able to get to the A and M's bullpen, which is right. actually that was kind of a kind of a continuing a trend from that Arkansas series that A and M lost. I mean their bullpen's been so good all year that it's I mean you know it's everybody has a, a bad weekend here and there, but uh, yeah to see that to see LSU be able to come back. I mean when you figure A and M has a lead after six innings, especially a five two lead. I figure that's game's in pretty good, pretty good shape. I think they'd only lost once all year in, the, in that situation. So, for the Tigers to come back and win, that's uh, pretty impressive. I, mean, I think we saw throughout the, uh, throughout the, from what I saw, I wasn't able to watch the entirety of all three games. But uh, you know, it looks like it, you know LSU's speed and athleticism was a big difference. And you know, and A&M's an offense that just never quits. So that's why they, you know, they're staying in those games and they're able to come out and then win that last game. But uh, kind of like I said, I mean, it, LSU is at home, so you kind of would expect them to win two out of three. So it pretty much. Pretty much went to went to script, I would say. The amusing thing for me, Jim, is that we've talked about uh, LSU's aggressiveness. That was the focus of our preseason capsule on the on the Tigers. Was it's going to be a very young pitching staff, and mm-hmm. it's going to be a much more aggressive approach offensively in terms of base running. <clears throat> Excuse me. Both those are still that's still the theme of their season. Mm-hmm. Um, They've been who we thought they would be. They exactly. They are. Uh, you want to crown them? Crown them. <laughs> they are Denny Green. They're a Denny Green team. I like to call those teams right now. That's that's what they are. Um, well, they had like an eight-game winning streak that got snapped in the in the finale of that series, but so, yeah. they're not doing it the way you would expect. I mean, you, Alex Bregman's having a big year, but not as not big biggest, of a year yeah. like we thought. He was on track to have. Mm-hmm. You know, he still uh, you know, doesn't strike out very often, but. The aggressiveness on the base of the 78 steals as a team, you know, we just saw it in so many little times. Even I even liked in the ninth inning, or I guess it was, in the Friday game, mm-hmm. where I forget who it was who got thrown out at second base by Nick Banks, which was one of the better plays I saw all weekend. Oh, just, yeah, yeah. Nick Banks just hosed him at that second base. Laser. It was a laser. Easy. It absolutely was. Uh, Dr. Evil would be proud of that. Um, but, this, the, but the mindset was the right mindset. And getting thrown out because Nick Banks makes a perfect play does not mean you don't try it again. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about LSU is that they stayed aggressive. But I, I like the fact that A&M, uh, if they got punched in the mouth, they came right back up. They did. It doesn't mean that they won the game, but there was a, the, the spirit of that series was pretty high. I think that's where you're seeing their, their veteran veteranness coming through. Just thought they've got a lot of guys that have... Been through it. They got a lot of juniors and seniors on that line, and then even like sophomores, like Banks and Gideon. Those guys have 
you know, they're basically juniors now by this point. So, I mean, they've got guys that have been around and they're not going to, you know, they're not going to be intimidated by going on the road to places like that. They've they've been in the SEC for a few years now, so it's right. going to, you know, they're not going to be cowed by, by going into to Tigers, to uh, Alex Box Stadium. If you're going to be cowed anywhere, that would be the place mm-hmm. for it to happen, and they weren't. I didn't think that's what, they didn't lose because of the, the because the moment was too big mm-hmm. for them. They didn't lose because the crowd was too much for them. They lost because they lost to a good team mm-hmm. that played its best. You know that was the, I, I thought that was a pretty high level series, but that's kind of what you would expect out of a, a team that is. That's kind of the difference to me between these two teams is that A and M's a little bit more veteran club. I think LSU's mm-hmm. a little more talented team. Mm-hmm. I might even say a lot more talented when mm-hmm. you go. Yeah, that's been my impression ever since I saw them saw them both in Houston. Right. Like, just uh, on a you know. I think on a neutral field, I would probably still pick LSU to win a series, but I mean, it's not. It could go either way, just as we saw this uh, this weekend. That, that that's my impression. But I, but I think that, like you said, that veteran factor is definitely a play for A and M. Whether it's Alamond or Nada Brock or some of those guys, they, they have that little veteran um, nucleus um, that really does. I, I think it, it did show a little bit this weekend. Um, I, I like I like both clubs. I like both clubs as much now as I did before the weekend. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. Uh, nothing about that weekend kind of scared me off either team. You know, Banks and and uh, Bregman are the kind of the two bell cows for these two teams. Neither one even had a big series. Mm-hmm. You know, neither one was really a big factor offensively, and yet both teams I thought played really well. So mm-hmm. at, they're both 37 and seven. They're still ceiling in my mind for both clubs, and I ha- actually feel like. A&M has a little more staying power than LSU just... And you tell me if you agree or not, because LSU is just so young on the mound. You know, Lang seems like he's just slowing down ever so slightly. Poche's been excellent. I mean, I, I don't have any question about him. Stallings, Newman, it, the, the main guys, Bain, the main guys in this bullpen mm-hmm. are, are somewhat untested. And most yeah. of their main pitchers, Jim, are... Have not been through that postseason crucible. Depending on the matchup that LSU gets, I, I guess I would be more surprised if A and M failed to get to Omaha than I would be by LSU. Even though I think LSU is the more talented team, does that make sense? Yeah, I can see that. I mean, if you know, if LSU gets a you know a veteran type team in a in a regional, maybe and they get a, if they get behind the eight ball for some some reason, you know that. You know, I mean, they lost at home last year. Houston went in there and beat them. So exactly. And I mean, we saw. You know, go back a few years. Stony Brook went in there and won a super regional. So I mean, they're you know they're not uh, unbeatable at home in the postseason, much as you know might feel it just feels that way. It feels like they should be, but right. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I mean, if they get if they, if they were to catch some kind of bad break in a regional, you could see them. You know, how would they respond? I think that's a valid question. And A and M, yeah, I think if they were to like lose a, a game in a regional, I don't think that would bother them too much. I think they would they that's would be it. fine. I don't think it would phase them as much if they went in the loser's bracket. I think yeah. LSU would have the emotion at home to play back through it, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I mean, Palmineri knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Alan Dunn and uh, Andy Canazar know what they're doing. I do trust uh, – I said Andy Dunn, uh, Alan Dunn. I definitely mm-hmm. trust uh, Coach Dunn as a pitching coach. And he's done a great job with that staff. And, hey, you know, Jake Godfrey was going south. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of righted him a little bit in those – shorter relief roles. Mm-hmm. Number one, he's getting some big outs for them. Number two, it's kind of building his confidence back up. So both parts of that change in their rotation yeah. have, have have worked for them. But, uh, you know, they've really found a guy in Austin Bain, yeah. Jim, who's really, he's not a flash in the pan. That looks like there's some staying power for him there, too. So I really like their pitching staff's talent. But when you really look at it, it's all underclassmen pretty much getting the job done for them in the mound. If they ran out of gas, I think they're going to have to be careful how they manage that team, especially in the SEC tournament, mm-hmm. as to whether or not they're going to be at full strength for a whole month deep into June. Exactly. Yeah, that was kind of the – I like the quote from Paul Maneri that I used in the weekend preview that these are big games, but at the end it's not – You know, no one's getting a trophy at the end of this series. It's not the uh, – Yeah. You know, I mean, both these teams are going to be national seeds unless, you know, something catastrophic happens down the stretch here, so – you know, I mean, it's and they've already kind of been managing Alex Lang's innings. They gave him a right. week off earlier, you know, a couple of weeks back, and then you know they kind of worked. I think they limited him to like eighty some pitches, or like when he uh, came back two weeks ago. So I think they'll probably. I mean, the SEC tournament would be a perfect spot to give him another break. To be honest, I mean, that's I agree. 
I think know, they're going to see that happen. I mean, that's probably what, or you know, give them a you know sixty pitch limit or you know what have you, something like that. But uh, so yeah, they'll definitely. I'm sure they'll be managing these guys down the stretch when you know you can't. I mean, you can't afford to lose a bunch of series, but they can. So you can't say they'll put it in cruise control, but they can. You know, they're in they're in good shape. They don't have to. They don't really have anything else to to prove. I agree. That's that's how I feel about LSU, and uh, I like both clubs. I like them better after seeing them. I love the intensity of that series. I love the crowd at that series. Mm-hmm. I was just very impressed. It was a great showcase for college baseball, and uh, both teams showed out uh, for it. You know, both teams again. I wouldn't say they were at their best, but they were awfully good um, over the weekend. Uh, now, both those teams, like you said, barring a collapse, are going to be top eight national seeds. Who else from the SEC has a shot to do that, Jim? It feels like last week it was Florida. This week, I guess, it's, yeah, it's got to be you have to give advantage to the Commodores. They sweep. Exactly. Uh, they, they, they really dominated Missouri at home. And where you went into the weekend with a three-way tie top the SEC East, now you have some stratification, a two-game lead for the Commodores over Florida, which lost to Kentucky. Uh, you know, I guess which is more interesting for you to talk about, Vanderbilt's uh, – Sweep of the Commodore of, of the Tigers or the Florida's kind of little mini slump uh, losing that weekend series to Kentucky. Yeah, I'll start with the the Vandy Mizzou series. I mean, that's you know we talked about A and M not being cowed going on the road. I mean, you wonder if Mizzou. I mean, that's a young team. You wonder if maybe maybe the moment was a little too much for them going on the road to face the national champs because they've they've right. won big series, but they've all been at home beating South Carolina at home beating Florida. That, I mean, that's still a huge series win beating Florida. No but, doubt. Um, yeah, I mean they've. I don't have to. I mean they got. I think they. They lost the series at A and M earlier. They did win a game, but um, yeah. So you wonder if. You wonder if that's a little bit too much for a young team to to go on the road and win a series like that. So yeah, and certainly Vandy bouncing back. I mean they lost two series in a row. So to get back on the get, get back on the right track. I mean they're. I can't say they're a lock to be a national seed. Their RPI is still outside the uh, top eight, but right. it could get. It certainly could get it up in there. And they still have to play Florida, so if they win that series, that would be a another big boost for them. And they're in good shape to win the SEC East. So they'll they certainly could play. Their, they're, they're the next best chance to play their way, way in for the SEC in Florida. Well, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's that a is a tough now, team to figure out. It really is. It's hard to say that a team that's had the kind of year that Florida's had. Is underachieving, mm-hmm. but for some reason it feels like it, it feels, feels like that they could way. be doing more. It really does. It, it, it does. I, you look up and down the lineup; the numbers are allowed for their hitters. Um, Harrison Bader's had a tremendous junior season. I mean, what more could you have for him? Or Buddy Reed, Dalton Guthrie's been a productive freshman. They got one of the best shortstops in the country, mm-hmm. Richie Martin. Uh, they've got a true Friday guy in Logan Shore. Everybody would like to have Logan Shore on Fridays. But with all the talent in that pitching staff, it's just a little odd that they haven't really gotten a run. And I mean, Kentucky tries to let them back in on Saturday. They got a seven-three lead, seven-to-two going to the ninth. Yeah. yeah, they bring in Kyle Cody to kind of get him an inning with a big lead, and Kyle Cody almost coughs it back up from first rounder to can't get out of his own yeah. way. Um, so it's kind of surprising to me that um, I, I was just, I'm a little surprised. I, I, I think I'm being too hard on. On Florida to say that they're disappointing or underachieving right now, they're thirty-three and twelve, but uh, it doesn't feel like they're clicking on all cylinders at the very least. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you, they've kind of just been. I mean, they had that big series win against Miami, but that's really the best thing they've done. I mean, they've and they lose the series to Ole Miss, who's a, a borderline regional team. Now they lose the series to Kentucky, who is you know outside you know, on the outside looking in. I'll probably have them in the field this week, but uh, I mean they. The South yeah, Carolina series is the one that really sticks out for them. Mm-hmm. But right now, you kind of have to wonder how much of that was them and how much of that was the Gamecocks. Yeah, at the time, I kind of thought that might have said more about uh, South Carolina than it did about Florida. But um, obviously, they did go on the road and sweep Mississippi State the week after that. So you thought, well, maybe they're figuring this thing out here. But now uh, you go back and give give the momentum right back. They did. Um, and, and Missouri, like you said, maybe the moment was too big for them. This is a team that uh, it's obviously been kind of a charmed season for Mizzou. Uh, they they really tumbled in our rankings this week. We took them all the way from 14 to 20, and I, I think actually in my first iteration I had them hit harder. Jim, they're at 51 in the RPI. Uh, does Missouri? I mean, I, I can't imagine that just this series puts them in danger. 
But from an RPI standpoint, that, that Milwaukee series still hurts. Yeah. They've got Ole Miss, LSU, and Kentucky left. Obviously, nothing's easy in the SEC. D- does Missouri, are they in trouble in any way for a regional bid in your mind? Like, if they were to lose all three of those series, say, you know, would they be in trouble? Uh, is still, does this a team that's got some cushion as far as an at-large bid? Got some cushion. I mean, there's... There are some. I mean, their top fifty records not very good. They're only right now. There's five and nine on the uh, on Warren Nolan here. So that's that's a little bit of a red flag. I think they're around five hundred against the top the top hundred. So that you know, and their road record's okay. And they also they do they do check the box of having a marquee series win with that Florida series. But I mean, right. it's, you can't. That, this really this really set them back. It really did. I mean, if they can win like if they can win that Missouri State game this week and then. Just take care of Ole Miss. Just take care of business at home. Take care of Ole Miss and Kentucky. Those are both top fifty RPI teams. So that would that would give them a nice big boost. So that, that they should be fine as long as you know you win those series. And um, I mean, if you could win just one game at LSU, I mean that would give you even if you lose a series, that would give you a boost right there. Just you know, just get just get one game. It really would. No, that's that's huge. That would be a, that would be a big deal uh, in that league and. I want to stick in that division. I mean, Kentucky is the next team in the SEC East, but uh, Jim, the rest of this division is kind of in chaos. Kentucky is a very difficult team to peg, mm-hmm. but they have two great series road wins yeah. now against mm-hmm. LSU and Florida. It feels like they're probably in that. They have Vanderbilt at home next weekend. That would be quite a feather in your cap if you're Kentucky, and you have series wins against Florida, LSU, and if they were able to pull it off, Vanderbilt. It almost seems like Florida, like Kentucky, would go from out of the top twenty-five to being a regional host. Um, yeah, and then, they have, then they have Georgia and at Missouri. They've got a chance to finish pretty strong with a Louisville midweek game that's going to help their RPI no matter what. Um, and again, this is a team that's doing it, Jim, without the guy who's supposed to be their bell cow really being the guy. I mean, this is really a team that's uh, you know until losing that last game, they, they, they were on their way to. Sweeping a couple series in a row, they've they've always been more of an offensive club. This is not a big power team this year no. without AJ Reed. But uh, you know, what's been the key to Kentucky's success? Well, it seems like they've been pretty balanced. Like I said, they're not. You know, they lose AJ Reed, who was so integral to everything they did last year. But they've gotten they've gotten some young guys to, to step up. Zach Brown obviously had a great start against Florida, and you know he's been good all he's year. He's been really, really good. Yeah, he's you know saw guys really taken off. Um, you know. Um, uh, Kai Tom has been a real steady guy who's contributed in a lot of ways in the middle of that lineup. He's kind of picking up some, picked up some slack. I think he leaves them in steals and in uh, average, if I remember right. And um, I'll see uh, Javon, Javon Shelby's really come on as a sophomore. So they've, you know, so they, like I said, they're not a big power team, but they they seem like they're they're pretty balanced. That's that's my sense. And then really, you know, I know some of it I'm focusing a little bit more on this weekend, but just seeing Beggs and uh, Dustin Beggs and Zach Brown pitch so well. I mean, they had to go four pitchers deep for the shutout uh, in the opener, um, and which kind of tells you in a way that they really don't have that one guy mm-hmm. that they're focused on. But, you know, Dustin Beggs was a guy out of junior college. He was a 17th-round pick last year. Um, I remember talking to people about him in Georgia. Um, you know, I think he uh, going to their website, uh, he led junior college baseball in strikeouts last year. So uh, to see it, it's not every day that you get a junior college kid who's plugged in and ready to go in a weekend rotation in the SEC. Mm-hmm. But that's what they've done. So I think you have to give uh, Brad Bohannon, their recruiting coordinator, a lot of credit for finding the right kind of guys. Then obviously Coach Henderson for coaching him up. I and mean, he's got a long history as a really good pitching coach. And I've never been necessarily in Gary Henderson's camp uh, from his coaching uh, track record there. But this team has some grit, Jim, that mm-hmm. that's what kind of stands out to me is they don't have that one guy you really peg things to um, they'll steal a base when they need to, but they're not an exceptional speed team. They're not an ex- exceptional defensive team. Uh, they just kind of grind things out, and they've been fairly. Uh, again, they haven't been overwhelmed by the moment. Yeah, uh, it feels like Kentucky is is that kind of team. Whereas South Carolina, right below them in the standings, probably the most mercurial team in the country. Yeah, they go lose yeah. a series to Tennessee you this weekend. Can't lose a series to Tennessee. Not you know you you want to be a regional team. Don't lose a series to Tennessee. Especially They're not going to beat the, one this year. It doesn't look that way. I mean, they you just you know they had their you know their circle the wagons moment there against Vandy, where they come back and win that series, and now it's just they just like I said, they just give like we said with the uh, Florida, they just give it all right back. Startling, and then Georgia had just uh, and Georgia. You know, I think uh, yeah, Georgia st- wouldn't make the SEC tournament right now. And that, um, I mean, obviously, Robert Tyler going down early in the year has been an issue for them all mm-hmm. year. You lose 
really, I mean, I, you could have looked at him as the top guy in the SEC among sophomores. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, they haven't had him all year. Um, the other, I guess, teams that are coming on are all the teams in the West right now, Jim. Arkansas and Auburn. These are the other teams that are kind of climbing the ranks in the Southeastern Conference. Auburn's had this great RPI all year. But really, they kind of needed a signature, I guess, series. I wouldn't say that sweeping Georgia's a signature series, but just getting to 500 in the league or close to it just seems like it makes a big difference for Auburn in the way they're perceived. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've felt pretty pretty good about Auburn's regional chances for a couple weeks now. I mean, with where they are in the RPI, they've been pretty high all year. Now, if they can just get just get close to 500 in the SEC, they can... They can. Uh, they should be in pretty safely. I mean, you had them as a three seed coming into the weekend, but now mm-hmm. it seems like you can almost maybe they're possible. It's much more likely for them to be a two seed if they're around five hundred in the league, exactly. than if they're like thirteen and seventeen, right? Exactly. Yeah, getting a sweep this weekend is a it's a big help. I mean, you know, when you look at their, uh, I think their their remaining schedule is pretty uh, manageable. And yeah, South Carolina, South Alabama, and then at right. Florida now two and yeah, three uh, on the road. Yeah, so it's I mean it's not easy. I mean, obviously there are no easy series in the SEC as we always say unless. Uh, you know, you could use, always use maybe a home series against Tennessee, but uh, <laughs> right. unfortunately, or a that's series. True. Well, maybe it's a home series against South Carolina the way they've been going. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're in, they're in good shape, even if they. Um, I mean, so they're what are they? Ten and eleven right now, so they can just go, you know, four and five, five and four. They should be fine. Um, so yeah, they'll make a regional. I think they're in good shape. They've got a that's a really young, talented team, and they've got a they do have that that Bell Cow and Keegan Thompson who's. You know, for, we heard a lot of good things about him this year, and just what he's brought to the rotation. And they've got some a lot of young, talented guys in that lineup. With you know, headline, Anthony Greer being the uh, the headliner there, but uh, yeah, they'll they'll be in the postseason. I think that's a pretty good, a pretty safe bet. I, I like that bet as well. And then Arkansas is another team that's kind of hot, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, Ben Attendee, the center fielder, who's I had talked to a scout last week who gave me kind of a James Ramsey comparison. But only he liked Benintendi better than James Ramsey. I kind of like that comp myself. They also and comped him to Tim Tebow. He, he did not. That, that, that's, I've gotten Tim Tebow on two college baseball players, James Ramsey and Carson Fulmer. Good remembering by you. Those are, those are my two favorite guys. Uh, so if we were uh, specs, you get a, a Tim Tebow comp then. I don't think they knew about the Tim Tebow comeback comp. Now, we'll have to see if anybody gets comp to Tim Tebow post-Eagles uh, comeback. I didn't want to turn this into first take. But uh, but Andrew Benintendi, uh, all of a sudden, this guy's almost in the player of the year. He has to be in the player of the year conversation, Jim. He's kind of put Arkansas on his back. He's hitting 381 now with 14 home runs among the national leaders in home runs. He's got 20 steals. This guy's a chance to be a 2020 guy yeah. in this offensive environment. This is a special season, and he's kind of taken a team with a lot of good, solid college players and a, a, a rotation where they've kind of figured some things out. They've got a very flighty closer in Zach Jackson, who is as opt as that. He's kind of like a, I don't know, he reminds me of Mitch Williams, not the delivery, but I mean, he's just as apt to walk you as he is to strike you out virtually. Um, but when you go McKinney and Tacalini. And now you get Trey Killian back. I know Killian hasn't been great, but at least they have a lot more shit about their weekend rotation now. So that that's, that has kind of helped propel this team to to be one of the more steady and I guess stealthy teams really in the SEC. Exactly. I mean, they've won uh, like what five straight series now for this uh, taking down Mississippi State. And we, obviously, we got that big series that going into uh, College Station and beating A and M that you can kind of peg them to. Yep. So yeah, I mean they've been they've been coming on strong. It feels like every uh, you know every week we're seeing. You know, um, Ben Intendi hitting more home runs and getting all their, you know, the Arkansas Twitter getting the, getting the <laughs> gifts and all that stuff out there. So I mean, it's you know, it's it's they seem like they've they've really figured things out. I and mean, you kind of, you know, their pitching's always kind of been their identity the last few years. That's kind of how you always what I kind of always identify them with. But now it's correct. I mean, now they're I mean they've turned into a pretty good. Uh, they're pretty much an, an offensive team feels like this year. It is that way, and uh, you know, the thing I like about Jackson uh, besides the fact that his you know, the arm's pretty electric. He showed me Friday. I, I didn't think that he was that. I didn't know he was that kind of guy. I shouldn't say I didn't, didn't think. I didn't realize that he was the kind of guy who could go three and two thirds innings. I didn't think he had that kind of pitch ability. Like he showed Friday, taking over for Killian um, and kind of wrapping that one up. Uh, so this is a team that uh, I'm. The more I find out, the more I research about um, Arkansas, the better I like them. And you're starting to see now. You know, Mississippi State was going to walk Benintendi. Uh, if there was any opportunity to not pitch to him, they weren't going to pitch to him. 
And that's the adjustment Mississippi, uh, Mississippi State made this weekend. Allowed them to win the third game of that series. Um, they didn't have to, you know, basically they kept the guys off on base ahead of, off base ahead of Benatendi. And they could pitch to him when Egan and Serrano were on base. You know, they could pitch to him and other, otherwise they were going to try to pitch around him. Um, you just can't let that guy beat you, essentially, is what mm-hmm. the rest of the SEC is starting to decide. But, uh, again, when you have a guy who could beat you with his legs as well as uh, his bat, kind of makes things a little bit easier for them. Uh, to me, Arkansas, the other key part of this deal is as well as they're playing, there are they don't have a lot of margin for error, Jim. And yeah. they, they go to Alabama, they got to win that series because their RPI is still in that low 40s. And, it, again, it goes back to... The article we wrote a couple of years ago, they've played HBCUs, and it just seems like it's just it's killed their RPI. Exactly. And you, they played In Eastern a, Illinois. <laughs> and they played a home series with North Dakota to start the year. I mean, yeah. I mean, they really, I mean they're certainly they're, far, they're too far out to, uh, to get a chance to host. I mean, they've got them at 48 here. And, and they've got their SEC series remaining are not, not strong not gonna RPI series. Not really. Not unless you go 8-1 or something like that. So it's, I mean, I, I and they're playing so well, I don't. I think they're in real danger of missing missing regionals. Right. I mean, unless unless they start backing up here, but I think um, it's reasonable to expect them to go seven and two down the yeah, stretch. That should be. I mean, yeah, they're uh, sort of eleven and ten in the conference. I mean, you get yeah, you get to seventeen, eighteen wins. You're you're not going to miss regionals, especially in the coming out of the SEC. But uh, yeah, they're it's tough. they're probably. I think it's too far, a bridge too far to see them uh, get up there to host. And that's really a shame because with that ballpark and their fans, I saw what it said in an attendance record in one of those games this weekend, right? Yeah, I mean, so to me, I'd love to see uh, if they get to 18 wins. Uh, I would love to see that team be a regional host. I mean, if they go deep in the SEC tournament, maybe that would get them up there. But uh, that's probably what it would take. It, it really might be what it might take. I agree with you. Uh, they have to probably get to 17 or 18 wins in the league, and then maybe win the conference tournament. And you would see this. Uh, really, it's a rabid fan base that has earned. Uh, I think they've earned some res- the, the respect, uh, or the, even the, maybe to the benefit of the doubt, to to host a regional. Maybe if they don't have the RPI that you know, you'd maybe would necessarily look for. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I really respect the fact that they draw so much, so consistently, and then on the field it feels like they're earning it. You know, so mm-hmm. yeah, it was twelve five eighty nine on Saturday, Jim. That is just. Uh, yeah, that would be a record for the state of North Carolina. We we're exactly. uh, based the triangle, and when they get that at the ACC tournament, they went berserk, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, 80, 80, 80, 8,000 and change the other two games, uh, but a record on Saturday night. And uh, the natural state comes out for college baseball. I love that that's the nickname of Arkansas, the natural <laughs> state. Um, Jim, we were in ACC country this weekend, and I, I saw North Carolina sweep Boston College, talked about the. Uh, the separate, like we talked about the sweep for Auburn and how it put them close to 500 in the league and really kind of, the fact that they were around 500 probably pushed them to a two-seed rather than a three-seed. North Carolina getting a sweep that they kind of needed to get. They get some separation from 500. They move up in our rankings to 22. They give up one run all weekend. It wasn't even earned. So just from a, how they're playing, they're really playing some of their best. They're pitching as well as they can pitch going into uh, their exam break, which will give Trent Thornton and Trevor Kelly a needed break. Yeah. Um, but not you know not a lot of news in that series. You were in more much more newsworthy and noteworthy ACC series with um, uh, North Carolina State and Virginia, and just going into that one, Jimber, it felt like the winner of that series had a leg up on the loser of that series for being an at-large team, and the loser of that series could be out. Now I thought that was much more true of NC State. Like if they lost exactly. that series, they were really going to be on the outside looking in. They haven't secured anything, but uh, that was a a shocking end on a doubleheader Sunday. I've never been to a doubleheader where both games were walk-offs. Had you before Sunday? never, never, ever. Can't imagine I ever will again either. It was a rare day, and especially rare because NC State won it both on home runs, and neither one was by Logan Ratledge. It was was Bubby Riley, a little-used senior outfielder, and there's a good reason he's little-used. He hasn't been very good. Make contact a lot. That's it. I don't mean to be harsh on the guy, but he's had a pretty underwhelming college career. He draws a lot of walks, but finally mm-hmm. a huge hit for him. And then uh, J Rod, as they call him on their own Twitter, uh, cousin of Alex Rodriguez, Joe nephew, Demand. I think. Nephew. See, I get uh, it confused. Yeah. I was I was corrected that he was a cousin. Oh really? Yeah. But maybe he is. I, I might be. I might be wrong. I'm just going to say relative of Alex yeah. Rodriguez, Joe, Joe Demand with a walk off. Jim, what does this mean for Virginia? Let's start with the, the Cavaliers. This was a national runner-up a year ago, but they're twenty-seven and seventeen. 
They're ten and four in the ACC, which I mean ten and fourteen, I should say, which on percentage is tenth in the league. They're barely. They are in the right ACC on the cut tournament. line to make the ACC tournament. They're they're half, half game, game up on the Hokies. Who, who, who they were yes. That's right. So obviously, it's not possible for them to finish tied because Virginia right. Tech has a, a one fewer game. But unless the Cavaliers yeah, get a rain down, they down also the line, do. yeah. So I mean. So Virginia, this they're off this weekend for exams. They don't play at all. Maybe they have a midweek. Yeah, they have or something, a midweekend Old Dominion. Yeah, they're off this weekend. They don't play. A, so they come. So then they come back next week or week after. They play the home series against Duke. Have to win. Probably would help you to sweep. Yeah, it'd be preferable. I mean, because then they finish at North Carolina, and if they go three and three, you're thirteen and seventeen. That's on, you're treading on real thin ice. You'd have to go pretty far in the ACC tournament to get in. I don't think Virginia I mean, has missed regionals under Brian O'Connor, has it? I don't. I don't think believe they have. So, unless, I mean, like in his first year, maybe. I don't. I don't think so. But I mean, um, yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, I mean, their RPI is still up there at 33. So all those, uh, all those early season issues where their home games kept getting snowed out and whatnot, and they had to play all those neutral site games down in South Carolina. That's actually helping them now. The fact that they we're playing well then and won a bunch of those games. So that's kind of why it's propping up their RPI. It really but, is. Um, it's 11 straight, by the way. He's been there. This is his 12th season. 11 mm-hmm. straight regional trips for UVA. So they've wow. never missed under Brian O'Connor. That's, they're, in, they're, they're in the danger zone. They are officially in the danger, the danger zone. zone. They are officially in the danger zone. Archer's calling them out. <laughs> the Wolfpack, meanwhile, Jimmer, this was huge for them just from an RPI standpoint because now they're, they're finally they up out of the danger spots, zone. Yeah. They're out of the danger zone. They're at 53. Mm-hmm. Still, still not in 12. the safe zone. But <laughs> exactly. They're still kind of in the friend zone. Yeah. They really, and they don't, they're where they don't want to be. No. But, Jim, if they lost either yeah, of those games were, Sunday, they were, they, were, they were toast. Yeah. That's so, I mean, I that was, because like, like I was saying on Twitter last night, they're not in, but this keeps them, this keeps them at the, uh, they're still at the dinner table. They're still in the, on the, they're still in the conversation. I'll tell you, so, I would not want to face them as a three seed in a Yeah, regional. I wouldn't be excited about it. I mean, you know they kind of. If Corey Wilder can get, can throw enough strikes, I mean we know he's got he's got really good stuff. He's got a great arm. I wouldn't want to face him. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to be a two seed. I wouldn't want to take my chances on right. facing him on the one game where Corey yeah. Wilder threw strikes. Especially if you're if you're holding your race for trying to get the one seed on Saturday, and then you, you can't. You come out with your number two or, or number three or whoever, and Corey Wilder is on that day. Yeah, you could be in trouble. I mean, the guys I like for NC State also that makes them dangerous to me are Ryan Williamson when he's good, which he's mm-hmm. been very uneven this year, yeah. and Kurt Britt. So they have these two middle relievers. Kurt Britt was a former Gamecock. They could certainly use him, but his, his, his father, Tommy, long time, kind of, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say legendary because he actually existed, but long time, very successful high school coach at Scotland County in North Carolina. I believe he coached Brett Butler, the big league, uh, Brent Butler, the big league infielder. Uh, but Tommy Britt, longtime coach, passed away last offseason suddenly. And when he died, uh, Kurt Britt applied to transfer, a hardship transfer. So he didn't sit out a year. He's had some arm issues for NC State, but he's, he's good. Mm-hmm. This is a big, durable-bodied sinker baller. He gives them an, an extra weapon. Johnny Piedmont gives them a decent guy. They have the pitching depth mm-hmm. to win a regional gym. And their bullpen was kind of the unsung group of that doubleheader yesterday. I mean, they had to lean on those guys in both games. I think uh, in the first game, Wilder had to come out in like the fifth. And then the second game, uh, Johnny P- Johnny Piedmont or Piedmonty, whichever it is. Uh, I think it's Piedmont. Piedmont. <laughs> I wish it were Piedmonty, but I, I think, think it's Johnny Piedmont. Uh, not, yeah. But anyway, he had to come out after four. So, I mean... You know, and that game goes ten innings. I mean, they're. Uh, I mean, Tommy DeJunis is the other, the other guy. I mean, right. he was, they've kind of really. I mean, he throws four scoreless innings yesterday, and he's he's a guy we've seen him up to ninety five earlier in this year. I, I didn't see. I think he was more like ninety two most of the time yesterday. I kind of wonder if he's. Well, he threw, they've, they've leaned on him a lot. Well, he he's never but, um, thrown. Uh, you know, he's never been a full time pitcher. Yeah. And I think he threw sixteen innings as a high school senior. So now he's at thirty. So mm-hmm. part of it is. That he's gone beyond what anything he's ever yeah. done before. Number two, he's a freshman. You know the intensity. Yeah. He's, and he's learning to manage his intensity a little bit better, Jim. Like learning to manage. He's he never failed in high school as a pitcher. Mm-hmm. So when he gives up some runs in college, he's still learning how to deal with that. Or or okay, you you strike out a guy in an inning. Well, now you got to go back out there for the next inning. That's not the kind of stuff he was used to in high school. Exactly. 
Yeah, and he's, yeah, and he's he's he's, he's dangerous. He, though. I mean, he was yeah. I mean, he was outstanding yesterday. He had to really had his changeup working. That was a big weapon for him, along with the uh, you know locating the fastball. Which I mean, so if you can get they've got so they've got some pieces in the bullpen. They've got a lot of young guys in the lineup. I mean, Joe Denan's been coming on. He hits the ball. He's been hitting the ball hard a lot. I mean, he's only hitting. 220 or something but i think he's he's been better than that shows and yeah we like we we're all fans of logan ratledge here at the, in the uh, ba offices and he's a good um, ball player now so they put him at shortstop yesterday which was that's obviously newsworthy from a draft standpoint and just from a from that team standpoint i think that's what they've kind of w- wanted to do from day one he just had a some arm injuries at the start of said they weren't able to but uh yeah, I mean, Jake Fincher's a veteran guy. Jake, Jake Armstrong has a, draws a big bases-loaded walk uh, off the bench yesterday. So they've got they've got guys like – they've got these young guys and they've got these seniors who are on the Omaha team right. and on the, 20, the two super regional teams. And, I mean, that's – you know, they've kind of – they've had a lot of close losses. I think, you know, we were talking oh, on Twitter 0-7 in one-run games until yesterday. So yeah. it says a lot that they've been kind of beaten down in all these – heartbreaking losses they've had and they've stuck with it and now if they can you know they've got at wake forest uh, and two they're out of conference this week during exams they play longwood but then at wake forest if you can win that series and then just get one against louisville to uh, end the season i mean that's that's that gets you right on the cusp and if they could win that louisville series i mean hey maybe louisville won't have anything to play for you know right maybe they give kyle funkhauser a week off or something right you never know so i mean um yeah, if they could win, certainly if they win both, if they win their last three series, I think they'll be in. The other, if they win two of the three, then they'll be on the on the cusp. The other on the cusp ACC teams are Georgia Tech and Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And Notre Dame, you know, I don't know if they came down to earth or however you want to put it, Jim, but it was kind of like the matchup of very good pitching and defense team versus all in on offense team. Yep. And Notre Dame at Wake Forest and the Demon Deacons, uh, who are on the you know kind of on the border uh, on the on the uh, well, they're off the. They bubble. were they were on the good side of the bubble, and then they went uh, went, they, and went lost, south. they went and lost the series to Pittsburgh. Which they is a, they, they is went a bad south. Idea. Now they come back and win the series against Notre Dame. Exactly. And to me, Georgia Tech, I guess, was the one that I, I still think Notre Dame's in the mix. Yeah, they'll still be in, but uh, that was for now. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't they're think they're not secure. I would say it's nothing settled. They've got North Carolina at home. They kind of need to win that series, I think, to really secure themselves. I'm more curious about Georgia Tech. This is just a team that is all over the map. I can't figure this team out. Why has Georgia Tech stopped hitting number one? And when they get Kel Johnson back, right? <laughs> and what is? Uh, who are these? I mean, who are these people? I'm just surprised that right now they're kind of remaking themselves as a pitching-oriented team. And I don't, outside of Brandon Gold, I don't see how that's sustainable. Because I'm surprised that Georgia Tech. Was able to go and uh, win that series, and it was some obviously some late heroics in a couple of those games, uh, the, a couple of close wins for this team. And a guy Ryan Purefoy, who's kind of become a, a cult hero for them on Twitter, uh, uh, you know, part-time player Jim, who is the hero of this series for them. Exactly, his name plays very well into a, to, to, to hashtags and all that. It does. Mike Lanan, I'm sure Mike Lanan, if he were here, he would love. Uh, he would be a big fan of Ryan <laughs> Purifol. We get some good puns right now. I think you're right about we're, that. Uh, we're, we're missing that element here today, but uh, yeah, I mean that's a that's a team that's been tough to tough to figure out. I mean, you, how can you get swept by Boston? I mean, BC's got some arms. Not just get so, swept, but they scored, they scored one, one run. I mean, yeah, that's that, that's no bueno. It was surprising. But, um, While we're mentioning Boston College, I do want to mention. I've been told by the Boston College coaching staff that the stories I've told about their field are a, a myth. Uh, uh, they've, it's hokum. And it's just tall tales that have been uh, exploded over the years. They're, they resod the field every year after people tailgate on it in the fall. And anything that people say about their ball, their, their ball field like that is casting aspersions on them. So uh, they, they corrected me on that. I, I want to let people know that I'm correcting the record. I will never tell those stories again. They resod the field every fall at Commander Shea Field, so let it be known. I did see some good arms out of that Georgia, no. uh, that, that uh, BC team. So I understand how they could win the series, but Georgia Tech is the more. That's a vexing team, and yeah. uh, my boy Connor Justice hasn't hit this year. Um, still feel that that's a team with some ceiling. Jim, are are they in? Are they out? What's your take on them lost, right now? If they lost to Clemson, they'd have been in trouble. They would be in the same boat as Virginia. They would have been ten and fourteen. Said they're now. 11 and 13. I mean, they they are basically in the same boat as Virginia. I mean, they got the high RPI. Right. 
But their conference record is iffy. I mean, they but they have Pittsburgh and Miami left. Exactly. So that's a real. So and they you, have the head-to-head series advantage over Virginia. They, they, they did do. win two out of three in Atlanta against the uh, Cavaliers. So that's I'm I'm wondering. Like to me, it feels like they I feel like Virginia is a better team. I'm, but at the same time, I feel like the the path's almost a little bit clearer there for Georgia Tech. Exactly. They actually, they've got the head-to-head over Clemson now. They've got head-to-head over uh, Duke and Notre Dame, some of these other teams that would be kind of in their neighborhood in the standings there. But, um, yeah, if you can so your 11-30, and 30, if you can sweep Pittsburgh week after next, they're another team that's out of conference this weekend, then you're, it should be fine. Um, see, the Miami series, that's one that's going to – Miami's still third in the RPI, which is kind of mystifying in its own in its right. own right. But uh, So that's one of those series that doesn't hurt you even if you lose. So – you can go four and two the rest of the way. They'll be they'll be in regionals. I don't think there's much too much to worry about. But I mean, this is the same team that lost. They got swept by Boston College, so you never know. I mean, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh did beat Wake, so they're right. at least you have to take them seriously, at least to an extent. <laughs> at least to an extent. I'll tell you who we a, don't have, for a sixteen and twenty five team. Yeah. I'll tell you who we don't have to take seriously anymore as an at large team, and that's the Texas Longhorns, Jim. Indeed. I'm um, switching gears to the Big Twelve, but that conference TFCO. That we, so the, the ACC and the SEC, the SEC's got a little bit more depth. I think the Atlantic Coast Conference does, or a lot more depth. Yeah, the SEC could be up to ten. I think I had them at eight bids last week. They may get. They certainly could max out at ten. But the um, ACC is definitely a top heavy league, but the Big Twelve—that's the real top heavy league. We mm-hmm. thought it'd be four teams that would separate themselves. It is. It's four regional teams, really, Jim. It looks like a four bid league. OK it might State, be less than that. TCU, Oklahoma, Texas Tech are kind of on that on that uh, bubble, Jim. And I'm not sure either of these teams has really made the case. We have a question on on the Twitter from uh, Johnny Baseball at Web Dingus. <laughs> Do you see Oklahoma baseball making the term- tournament? Thanks very much. You're welcome. But Oklahoma, again, they're, they're tied with TCU for second in the league. It's a half game back uh, of Oklahoma State. But Jim, it really looks like Oklahoma State has, and TCU have separated themselves. TCU with a very impressive sweep of, of Texas this weekend. Oklahoma State goes and takes care of business, wins that series against Texas Tech. Those two teams are the class of the league. Mm-hmm. And everybody else is kind of fighting for scraps right now. It feels like as, as far as regional bids go. Exactly. I mean, it's... It's a distinct possibility this could only be a two-bid league. I mean, Oklahoma, wow. and, Oklahoma and Texas Tech are no sure things. I mean, given where their RPIs are, despite their – I mean, it's kind of mystifying. Their RPIs are so bad. I mean, their their records <laughs> seem fine. They're good conference records, but, I mean, they're, they're way – I mean, on Warren Nolan here, Texas Tech is 67, Oklahoma is 76. So they've I got can't a, figure that out for It is kind of Texas mystifying how they're, how they're that far down. But, I mean, so, I mean, the Texas Tech needed that series at home. I mean, they've had their – they they had home series against both TCU and Oklahoma State. Couldn't win either of them. They needed one of those. I mean, they haven't won a weekend series against a regional team all year. I don't think. I mean, their best you know their best thing they've done is they went out and won a series at San Diego State. But they're not a they were kind of a borderline regional team for a while. But they've fallen off. The, the Aztecs have. So that really is their best series. You're that's right. really the best thing they've done. I mean, actually, maybe the next best thing they've done is that. Start of the year, they swept San Francisco, who's actually been one of the better teams in the turned out to be one of the better teams in the West Coast Conference. But uh, and the head to head, they yeah. lost at Oklahoma. They lost to it. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the other one. They lost. They lost to the Sooners. So I mean, they're and they, their conference resume. I mean, they did. They beat. They beat the lower teams. They beat Kansas. They beat Baylor. They beat K State, which uh, which was on the road. I mean, it was on the road, but um, yeah. I mean, it's now they finished the year at Texas and at West Virginia. Those if they can go five and one. As well, and not screw up in these two uh, midweek games against Grand Canyon. But <laughs> yeah, if they can that's go, where they are. I mean, that's where they are, are right now. Since though, Texas and West Virginia, obviously, they're not not great, but they are t- they are still in the top hundred. So if you can go win both the series, like I said, maybe go five and one. If you can sweep one of them, then that maybe that gets them back in the uh, good graces here. But uh, and, f- and for Oklahoma, Jim, this might just come down to the Bedlam series. Their whole really season, and they've got TCU at home to end. I don't think you can expect to win that series. Um, I wouldn't want to try to play TCU right now. That team just is such a machine on the mound. They're so consistent, Jim, on the mound. Granted, they still struggle to grind out runs, but I wouldn't want to play TCU. I mean, no. I, I just feel like Coach Slosnagel has those guys 
uh, and, and Coach Sarlos, you know, I'm a Kirk Sarlos guy. I always have been from his Titans days, but uh, that team throws a billion strikes. And for the most part, they do it. I know Alexander's not a huge power arm, and Morrison obviously is a low slot guy, but Alex Young and Mitch Traver throw kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Those guys throw a billion strikes. I wouldn't want to get in their bullpen either. Uh, is this the best pitching staff in the country, in your mind, TCU? Yeah, probably. I would think they're certainly up there. Them or Louisville, I think would be the or Vandy would probably be the. Those are probably the three uh, first three that jump to minds. But, I, think, um, I think I think from a pro standpoint, I'd give the edge to Vandy. But I mm-hmm. think from a college standpoint, I'm giving the edge to TCU. That's probably the best way to put it. I they think that's just, the best way to put it. They just don't beat themselves as a pitching staff. Mm-hmm. You know, just we were just talking about NC State. NC State has 200 walks yeah. as a staff. You know how many TCU has? 84. 84. 84 mm-hmm. walks as a team. Uh, that it's it's just uh, they they have quality arms who throw a ton of strikes, and that's a great formula. They're basically averaging two walks per nine as a staff. And in this college era, unless you really bring the lumber and be them, they're not going to beat themselves. They don't beat themselves a lot on, on defense. They're fielding close to nine eighty, and they're athletic. They run the ball down the outfield. It is not an exciting, uh, you know, kind of kind of team you write home about. Mm-hmm. But to me, uh, they're extremely dangerous to get to yeah. Omaha. And they're, and they're a they, team that's built to win in their ballpark, too. It's going to make them really right. tough to beat in the postseason. And if they get to TD Ameritrade, mm-hmm. they're going to be very good there. Mm-hmm. That, they're the kind of team that could UCLA 2013 you to sleep in Omaha. Yeah. And I, I just would not – if they got there, I would not want to see – I wouldn't want to face them if I were an offensive-minded club. Uh, this, I'm impressed. They're just like a metronome. They're just so consistent week in, week out. Uh, they had that one bad weekend at K-State, which kind of right. which set them back. I mean, I was I was doing the the uh, Fields of 64 for that. It was hard to – like I wanted to make them a national seed, but they're sitting there at 7-5 and five in the Big 12 of you right. know, having lost that series where they – I mean, everybody has a bad weekend. I said, well, that was theirs. They're, I think, uh, young and uh, Traver kind of had – just had bad outings for whatever, for whatever reason against uh, the Wildcats, and so that kind of set them back. And plus, I mean, they did lose the head-to-head series to uh, to the Cowboys, so that right. that's kind of why I had Oklahoma State given you know giving them the edge there. But um, yeah, I mean, now they they have to go and sweep the Longhorns second straight year. They've done that, and now they're you know they're, they're ten and five looks a lot better than seven and five did. So that was they've had the RPI all along to be a national seed, and now they're you know now they're up there even if they can just. I mean, they still probably need to at least get a share of the Big 12 title to, to be a national seed. I wouldn't feel great if they finished in second. That wouldn't hurt. But um, but they they should. I mean, you figure they'll probably they'll probably get a national seed. I mean, their their schedule is not uh, not daunting down the stretch here. I don't uh, believe maybe so that trip either. to Norman, but I mean that's that's winnable. I feel like that's winnable. Is is Oklahoma going to get in, Jim? What do you, what's your take? If you had, if you had to, if you're a betting man. Mm. That's I mean, a tough one. That is that's the toughest one. I feel like they them and, the, them and Texas Tech are both so tough to peg whether they'll get in or not. Really they, they got so dominated in that midweek game by Oklahoma State. That's that in left my head. a mark. It, it really, it really did. That said, this is the kind of thing where Pete Hughes kind of coach team kind of goes in with that chip on their shoulder. I do feel like losing this weekend to Sam Houston State that's was a red. That was, not, was a red flag. That's a that's that was bad idea. <laughs> uh, it's like bad idea jeans. The yeah. old Saturday Night Live uh, commercial. I figure I'm in Haiti once. Why use a condom? <laughs> One of my all time favorite fake commercials. Um, so, I mean, do you really feel like this could be a two bid league, Jim? I mean, it's possible. I mean, that would be I shocking. Would, I, I mean, Oklahoma. I mean, if they can win one of these series here with. Uh, Oklahoma State and TC, if they can win one of those, they'll and maybe go win a couple games in the Big 12 tournament. That might be enough to get them in. I mean, obviously, they're a conference. It's so weird to have – I mean, these teams – both those teams, the, the Sooners and Red Raiders, both so strong in the standings. It's weird that RPIs are so bad. Then you look, I mean, Oklahoma's 2-7 and seven against the top 50. I mean, it's not, not going to cut it. It's so, not I mean, that's, right now. It's yeah, not. I mean, that's you – know, and they haven't really done anything – well, they – I guess the big, they lost the series to Baylor. I mean, that was a that was a, that's a, that hurts them. And if they gotta they gotta get with it here. I mean, neither, but neither of these teams have any neither of those two have any room for error. And if they you know backslide any further, then yeah, that could just be a, a two bid league or maybe three if you know a non TCU or Oklahoma State wins the tournament. It's the Baseball America College Podcast with Jim Schoenert. I'm John Manuel. Jim, uh, 
some uh, Pac-12 uh, uh, doings of note, and then we want to talk a little AAC. Um, I guess this weekend, really, the big news in the Pac-12 was or- Oregon State finally getting that series win mm-hmm. against a ranked team. We still didn't rank the Beavers, <laughs> you know. Uh, still can't get them in the top 25. Um, but the O-State Ballas uh, did beat uh, USC. Kind of surprised that USC, uh, I'm blank on his name, is it Bobby Taylor, is that his name, who they started Friday? Oh, yeah. They moved up. Uh, uh, Gilbert, I think, was his name. Um, Gil- Taylor Gilbert. Yeah. That's him. Um, moved him up to Friday, and he, he pitched very well. He I think he had double-digit really strikeouts in that game, yep. over seven innings. Tyler Gilbert, yep. Tyler Gilbert had some reports on Tyler of uh, in past starts. He's bumping 93. Mm-hmm. You know, pitches with a firm fastball. Uh, pitches off the fastball. It sounds like Kyle Toomey's kind of going a little south lately mm-hmm. for the uh, for the Trojans. Uh, the Beavers got to their bullpen, mm-hmm. uh, won a game late on Saturday, then kind of led wire to wire on Sunday. Um, seems like that's you know the, the Beavers and and Cal were the two big series. This Cal weekend. was that's the team that really they kind of saved their bacon this weekend. They that was a team mm-hmm. that. Bacon. <laughs> I know, we had said bacon night over at Chapel bacon Hill. Night there, was exactly. Bacon night at USC, at UNC yeah. again. But, um, where is Mike Lanana when we need him? It was funny. I was oh, I don't want to get sidetracked. But. You, you can get uh, sidetracked. I was watching um, as I was working on top twenty-five tracker last night. I had MythBusters on in the background, and they did the uh, the Simpsons special episode. So that, kind of, <laughs> that slowed me down while I was doing tracker. A MythBusters uh, just about the Simpsons? Yeah, it's a whole episode about the Simpsons. That's outstanding. I'm but, writing that down for future. I'll find that on the YouTube. But. Um, Oh, I lost my train of thought. We were talking about bacon. Oh, yes. We were talking about bacon, cow. Cow, yes. <laughs> so you go and sweep Arizona. I mean, I see Arizona, kind of like you tweeted last night, that's a team that's got talent in the lineup but just hasn't hasn't got it together. I mean, their pitching just – their pitching can be had is, is the way to put it. It but, absolutely uh, can be had. But um, So, yeah, that, that, was, that was huge for Cal. I mean, Cal had been backsliding. I mean, you lose series to Stanford you lose, and they lost to Washington State. I mean, that's – that kind of speaking of being had, yeah, <laughs> that's that's when you're being had when you're losing yeah. to those. You can't teams. lose. I mean, so this was a huge weekend for them. Their RPI is up to back in the top fifty. They're back in good shape. I won't say great shape, but they're back in good shape. They still have you know they have an early series, series win against Irvine, so that looks pretty good. That series loss to Duke is still not uh, not helping them out, but <laughs> it's not. But I talked to, I talked to a scout, uh, you know, um, just today, Jim, talking about some stuff out west, and one of the things that he talked about was. Just how easy when he's just how much this team missed Dalton Jeffries mm-hmm. because what Dalton Jeffries does is even when his velocity is not as good as it was early in the year he's still in the low 90s and it's easy 92 it's easy 93 with sink life down he's a true Friday guy and he just really helps set the table and they pitched well this weekend mm-hmm. you know Ryan Mason uh, is a steady tall sinker baller generally you know, hasn't given up a home run all year keeps the ball in the ballpark. Um, th- th- that's kind of the you know that's the way Cal's going to have to pitch this year. But, and they got a legitimate lineup for sure. It, it Urseg is Urseg and Chris Paul and those guys. It's a legit lineup. Urseg is uh, you know uh, the game where they beat James Caprillion. Mm-hmm. Urseg had the game winning home run in that in that game went, went deep on a breaking ball that Caprillion missed his location with, and, and they gave up four runs on weekend to mm-hmm. an Arizona team that Jim is uh, you know noted for its offense. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to point out one thing. About Arizona, you're going to point at the top of their lineup with Kingery, Newman, Dahlbeck, Riley Moore. You know, that's their mo. And uh, you know the, the fact that Cal was really able to to hold them down, uh, which is very impressive. Uh, five solid innings from Matt Ladrich on uh, uh, on Sunday in the in the capper, and uh, it's a huge series sweep for Cal. So yeah, I've kind of been on the Bears bandwagon all year. It was a little bit. Getting harder and harder, Jim, to stay on that bandwagon. Yeah, losing at home to Washington State didn't. Uh, it turned you off, him. <laughs> how, how would that do that? They they still have a tough schedule ahead. Arizona State yeah. at home. They got uh, USC at home. They got to finish up at Oregon State. In the middle of that, they fly across the country to come to camp. We're looking forward to that one, no doubt about it. I love that the local times are all Pacific times. So an 11 a.m. start for them on the on the Saturday game because, of course, Campbell doesn't play on Sundays. Yep. But to me. Feels like if Cal can even go four and five in those series, if not five and four, mm-hmm. that's a that's a regional team. That, that should think? do it. Yeah, I mean, all these since all these games they have left, every single game they have left is a top hundred team. At least Campbell's ninetieth right now, so maybe you know they may not end up being there. But so right now that's that's a very amenable schedule to get you know to building up a strong RPI. If they can win, yeah, if they can just go four and five, maybe win mm-hmm. one of those series. It's 
They should, they should be in fine shape to uh, get five, in there somewhere. All five of those Pac-12 teams are in the top 15 RPI, like you said. It feels like there's a real set. That's the least gray area conference exactly. right now with Oregon State and Cal having won this weekend. The most gray area conference might be the AAC, Jim. Yeah, we need to get Vince Laura in here for we this need, one. We need, now, Vince is our American. I mean, Mr. AAC there. He is. And then Mike was there in Greenville, Green Vegas, G Vegas, G-Vegas. as you said. Um and that's the hottest team in the league, but we did rank, we ranked the Memphis Tigers of Coach Darren Schoenrock, and this has been the steadiest team, Jim. This league is really tough to figure. Seven teams in the top 55 in RPI, and that seventh is the team that we had ranked most of the year in UCF, but TFCO for UCF. They, they, might, the, they might be toast. I think the Golden Knights lack you know, what was earlier like a weakness, their, their pitching staff. Mm-hmm. I think eventually it just seemed like they kind of crumbled under the pressure of the offense always having to deliver and lost the series at Tulane last week and then swept this weekend three straight one-run losses to the Pirates. The, Pirates. How, many of the Pir- how many of the Pirates' wins this week were, were walk-off? Four? Oh, Three or I four, have, I think, we, were walk-offs. Uh, I, think, yeah, I, guess, I, think, yeah, I think those NC State and Duke games might have both been walk-off games. I know the, the, the yeah. first one was. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, a, that's about as an exciting week as you can have. So UCF but, uh, still has two series with South Florida left, That's kind of yeah, sandwiched around Memphis. It it's a little strange. It's a little strange um, uh, to see that on a, on a, on a schedule. Uh, but that's what I see on the Warren Nolan schedule. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to a little home-and-home with the Bulls. Um, but why Memphis? Why do we rank Memphis? What stands out about Memphis? And, and what's kind of been their, their M.O. this year? Well, it seems like they're a pretty balanced team. I mean, they... You know, they're not really. They're kind of. They kind of remind me of Kentucky a little bit. They don't have a. They're not dominant in one, any one real uh, category. But they. I was saying you look at this is their body of work. I mean, they've won games against all the other. You look at all the other. Te- they obviously the bad news first is they lost the series to Cincinnati. Right. That's not. That's not good. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah. Let's get the bad news there first. But they've won series against East Carolina, Houston, USF, and now at UConn. A couple of those on the, well, the UConn and ECU series on the road. So they've beaten all the other good AAC teams they've played. They've, you know, some of these midweek games, they split two midweek games with Arkansas. They split a couple of midweek games with the uh, Ole Miss Rebels. They uh, beat Mississippi State, which looked decent at the time. Not so much anymore, but still. Right. It's a you know, win over an SEC team, which is nice to have. They, uh, so, I mean, they've got a nice little body of work. And they uh, took two games from uh, Middle Tennessee State, who was kind of up there, in, you know, one of the top teams in uh, Conference USA. So, I mean, they've got a nice little body of work there. They haven't really done other than that one week against Cincinnati, they haven't they haven't screwed up too much. They haven't done much wrong. <laughs> so I mean that's that's just kind of was that was my um you know line Shorthand. of my uh you know, my uh push for that getting them in there was just the just the consistency they've had the one week you know the one misstep they've been really consistent. They've won at home, they've won on the road, they've they've done a lot of good things. They really have, and you know, the to me when I think of this program, I always think of the fact that um, Coach Schoenrock was the pitching coach for a long time at Mississippi State with Ron Polk, and he's done a really nice job as the head coach at Memphis. There was a year or two where they got into regionals where we didn't think they deserved to get in, but um, but they have been consistent uh, as a program. They're almost always in it. You know, they're all, mm-hmm. almost always in whatever conference they're in. They're in that race. And they've been very good and very consistent at developing pitching. This year it's been Dylan Toscano, uh, cutter guy, upper 80s, uh, fastball. There's a lot of cutters. He's been very consistent for them in the weekend rotation. Caleb Wallingford's the only guy who's really gone to the post every weekend for them. But, yeah, to me, Jim, the, the key with Memphis is they're just very consistent strike throwers. They've got guys like Wallingford and Toscano, upper 80s fastballs guys, throw a lot of cutters. Uh, and they, they, they keep themselves in games that they really don't – they haven't been hammered on the mound. This is like a lot of games where, where AAC teams have really gotten to them uh, pitching wise on the mound. So they've exactly. stayed in every game. Exactly, and they don't. Like I said they don't. They don't beat themselves. They're they're up there and they've got you know they're up there in the top thirty in RP and um, ERA in the country. They're three point one eight. They're you know they're a solid fielding team. They're not not flashy, but they they just they just don't beat themselves. And in, in college baseball, that's that's really the name of the game. Really, you don't beat yourself, you're going to win most of the time. And uh, you know East Carolina not beating itself, but also making some of those plays to win some of these games lately, Jim. Uh, in the AAC, it's been it's been a little bit of a surprise. Last thing uh, we should talk about before we go and uh, do this Skype call <laughs> is uh, is the Big Ten. Uh, we've been talking about them all year, Jim. 
Um, feel like we kind of need to talk about them again. Uh, really got to respect that Ohio State keeps getting it done. This weekend, they swept uh, Northwestern at Northwestern. Um, and and that's, that's really the stunning part to me is that Ohio State's RPI is the highest of any of these teams in the Big Ten. I mean, even higher than Illinois, which has won what now? 17 games in a row? Mm, 17. Now, I've been in touch with the uh, Illinois coaching staff. They say they can. They've had an on-site inspection from the NCAA. They can host on-site. They do need to bring in more seating. But the press box, other things that they meet the requirements, they need to bring in more seating. Uh, maybe they need to put a few more W's in their Twitter mm. handle. But uh, with this win streak, I where your limit is your Twitter has a limit on how long your name can be. That's a good you question. Might be running out there. They, they, I, I think they probably are. Um, but this, this is a uh, but this is a team that's probably going to host now. I, I have to imagine. Yeah, if they win the regular season title, you have to believe they will. You got to figure whoever wins this regular season title probably will. I mean, you know, you know that Ohio State can. I mean, Ohio State has the highest RPI. Like you said, they're number twelve here. So if they, you know, if they and they play Illinois this week, that is a huge series. Whoever wins that. You know, it's probably going to be have an inside track to be a host. Um, Iowa is obviously still in the mix too. So I mean, any one of the whoever comes out on top of those three teams is probably going to be playing at home in Maryland. Still in the mix as well. If they can get, they can finish strong. Uh, they did lose a head-to-head series to Iowa. The uh, the Terps did, but you know they're still in this mix too. So I mean, any one of those teams can uh, can get their way up there. So Joe Healy uh, had emailed us at podcast at baseballamerica dot com. Want to know about Illinois hosting? So there's the the news there. Illinois will host on campus, uh, Joe. So if they're if they're going to host, it will be on campus. Uh, Joe had asked if they could go elsewhere. Um, he also wanted to know about the committee. If they have a resume that resume that clearly makes them a national seed, have them travel as a one seed in regional to a place like Missouri State or Arkansas makes sense. But that's obviously not an option in super regionals. I do think that is something that you could have seen, or you still could see with one of these Big Ten teams. For example, Illinois. Mm-hmm. They do seem, even if they could host on campus, I think Joe has a point. You could see Arkansas be a one, a two seed and host when they're mm-hmm. drawing twelve thousand. They generally don't like to do that anymore. But mm-hmm. I feel like I've gotten away from. I, I don't think they do that. that anymore. I agree. I feel like the only way, I feel like the only way two seeds host anymore is if a team just doesn't have the facilities and right. doesn't have an option. Like we've we've been talk, we've talked about a little bit with the UCSB. They don't have they don't have lights, so they couldn't host. So. If they uh, unless they're able to hook up with a Cal League team somewhere, they probably they would have to travel if they uh, if they get a one seed. But yeah, it feels like most they they really the committee does stick to uh, to merit as far as being a one seed and getting to host. I agree. The other question we had from Paul Norwine also sent us some uh, some notes from the weekend series about uh, Purdue, our one of our other Big Ten fans. Um, he asked if we thought that Northwestern's pitching coach and fellow NC State alumnus of yours, Jim Tim Stoddard, was a candidate for the opening. Um, you know, Tim has been the pitching coach at Northwestern for a long time. And the whole big question is what will happen with uh, Northwestern, with Paul Stevens retiring. Is Northwestern going to put some money into baseball like the rest of the Big Ten is or not? Because if they do, they mm-hmm. need a facility upgrade. They need to spend a lot more money on coaching salary. And they need to decide whether they want to do like a lot of these other, these, a lot of these other private schools, Jim, and mm-hmm. really work their endowment uh, to, to bring in players on these endowment financial needs slash academic scholarships like a lot of teams like Vanderbilt do mm-hmm. and stretch their scholarship dollars. Um, I don't believe that Northwestern's ever been fully funded. But mm-hmm. there's big leaguers from Northwestern, whether you're talking about uh, you know George Contos, my boy, George mm-hmm. Contos, or Jay Happ. Uh, you know, Northwestern has produced players back in the day, Mark Loretta. Um, Paul Stevens produced big leaguers, but never consistent winners. So I think... If, I'm guessing that if Northwestern decides to spend more and make more of a commitment to baseball, they would totally change gears. Maybe Tim Stoddard would be an assistant coach still, but I can't imagine that he'd become the head coach uh, after all these years as, as an assistant. Northwestern 4-11 and in the league. Yeah. And that's the real issue to me, Jimmer, with the uh, Big Ten. Uh, Nebraska got swept this weekend by Iowa. Real big hit to their yeah, really uh, regional chances in my mind. I don't care that their RPI is 20 yeah, I think they're in trouble. Yeah, they're sitting there at six and nine. I mean, they. I think their their schedule is open up the next couple of weeks. I think they play a couple of the bottom teams, but now they're looking at. I mean, they've got a, they've got three series left. They've got to win them all. That's really the bottom line. That's it. They don't they don't have any root margin for error. They're at Northwestern, home to Purdue, at Illinois. So, yeah, so that's the two key. easier one. But they're going to have to go to Illinois. They're they got to win. Yeah, they obviously got to go five and one at least the next two weeks, and then so yeah, you got to at least win one game, and you might have to win that series at Illinois. 
you don't so you don't want to have put yourself in that position. No. Michigan State, Jim, the RPI's thirty one. They've got Purdue, Penn State at Minnesota remaining. Their RPI is going to come down as they play all these teams. Could Michigan State play its way into an at-large bid now? I think they definitely can. I mean, look how well if you look at how well they're they're playing lately, and they've they've been pretty consistent. They've you know obviously had that they go out and went, sweep that series at Oregon, which doesn't hurt. Yeah, I mean, at the time we thought they might have said more about Oregon, but hey, Michigan State's actually pretty good, and now they've so they're nine and six in the uh, Big Ten. If they can, I don't know if they finish, if they do stay in sixth place, that might be a little dangerous. Probably want to at least get ahead of uh, the Wolverines that are sitting there ahead of them, but. I mean, they certainly have got the RPI for it. They've got a lot of you – know, look at their – they've got a good um, – They have one three-game losing streak all year. Mm-hmm. It was at UCLA. So if you're going to get – if you're going to have a three-game losing streak against anybody, have it be at the number one team mm-hmm. in the country in the RPI. Mm-hmm. I mean, their they're top 100 record is solid. Their road record is solid. So they've got, they've got some good indicators there. Obviously, the RPI is starting point for all this, and that's up the there. The metrics so are good. Their metrics are good. I, I, so. I, like their, I like their club. I like just how – Every year, this is what Jake Boss's teams mm-hmm. do. They grind. They go out west. They play good teams. They don't beat themselves. They don't get swept. It's it's really a very steady formula yeah. for Michigan State. I have a lot of respect for that program. Yeah, well, looking at the schedule, that well, home against Purdue and Penn State. That's you got. That's not. It's not good. You need to. From an RPI got sweep, standpoint, yeah. From, a, from an RPI standpoint, you, got, you probably have to sweep both of those. Yeah, home against Purdue. That's when you play the bad teams. You want to play them on the road. This is not good. That, that, that's a great point. You want to play by the road. But th- well, I'm just impressed by the fact that when they played Ohio State, they got a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they played Illinois, they got a win. So uh, I've just been very impressed by uh, Cam Gibson and the uh, Michigan State crew. We probably need to wrap up this podcast. We've gone over an hour. So for Jim Schoder, I'm John Manuel. We'll be back next week with another Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.